This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. This BFM Budget 2023 special is brought to you by Ma Singh. Good afternoon. You're listening to Live and Learn with me, Dashran Johan. Last Friday, Finance Minister Tunku Zafarul unveiled Budget 2023 at 372.3 billion, the country's second largest ever budget. However, in a twist in the tale, yesterday Prime Minister Ismail Sabri Yaakob of Amno dissolved Parliament. The 15th general election will be called within 60 days, and the next government will either have to retable the same budget or table a new one altogether. So, with all of that in mind, on this episode of Live and Learn, we are going to be taking a look at Budget 2023 and analyze if it addresses the needs of the masses, particularly the B40. Joining me on the show today to unpack it all is Dr. Jay Kumar Devraj. He's the chairperson of Party Socialist Malaysia. Welcome to the show, Dr. Kumar. Thank you for inviting me. Let's start, Dr. Kumar, with the dissolution of Parliament because that just happened yesterday. What are your thoughts on the the fact that Parliament was dissolved after the budget has been tabled? Yeah, this disappointed. You know, I thought it'll go on to next year. Because now it means the budget is going to be retabled again. I mean, you know, by the next government, could right. be the same budget or very similar, but the whole thing has got to go through again. And uh, I think to risk the flirts and all that is not quite responsible. But I guess certain people in Amnu were pushing for it right? to save their own skins. They're pushing for it, and the prime minister kind of uh, acquiesced to them. Right? So let's take things uh, one day at a time, one step at a time, and so let's look at budget 2023. Does budget 2023 do enough to address the needs of the B40, Dr. Kumar? Okay, I think the the, the key is enough, is it? I mean, mm. definitely it does address to some extent. I mean, like for example, Bantuan Kluarga Malaysia, and they're going to give between thousand five hundred to two thousand five hundred to almost about sixty percent of the families in Malaysia. So I think that kind of thing definitely will help, and I think people will appreciate it. But is it is it doing enough in a situation where we have wage suppression? You know, one major problem is Malaysian workers are being paid one sixth the wages of similar work being done in Germany right. or in Europe, right? And that's because of the structure. We are we have grown our economy based on foreign investment. We really want to get the global change to come. And then we are competing with, so structurally our economy is a low wage economy, and that's integral to our economic development, to getting investment, to generating jobs. So the low wage thing is because of the whole structure. So you need to have a plan to transform the economy. Of course, the budget is not a transform; can be a plan. But in the budget, you can see whether they are allocating things. To go towards a transformation, right? Like one of the things that we are talking about in PSM is there's a need for ASEAN countries to together raise the minimum wage, because right. if we raise our minimum wage, we we have a comparative disadvantage with Thailand and Vietnam. But if we Thailand, Vietnam, and Indonesia, the main um, destinations for this kind of manufacturing, together raise minimum wage in tandem, they'll do a whole lot better. For the the B40 right. and the B60, right. then giving two thousand dollars in a whole year, is it? So that kind of transformational uh, uh, kind of efforts will be reflected. The, the minister says, our finance minister says, we're allocating two hundred billion to have discussions with 
Thailand and ASEAN countries to discuss how we can improve the you know situation of our workers you know something like that you know right. but you don't see that is it you don't see mm-hmm. any glimmer of that kind of a transformative program which is what we need it can't be done overnight but it's something we got to do so just giving out you know um you know uh, money for say students going to school increasing it from $100 to $150 you know for students going back to school i'm i'm sure it's helpful it's um, it is helpful you know but actually it's in another level it's just tokenism right. because you're not addressing the under underlying problem of low wages mm-hmm. and another important problem you know, under, under, uh, you are you are not addressing is the uh, the wage the labor market is saturated with foreign workers right and that depresses the workflow the wage flow that depresses the the the, the bargaining powers of malaysians working in the similar you know i mean here we find industry is saying not enough workers but i know in sunai seaport there's so many young malay men indian men who can't get jobs the factories prefer to get foreigners than to get these guys these guys will talk back they can't bully bully so much they won't do your 12 hour shifts right they work eight hours but they won't do your 12 hour shifts so for for industry it, it makes sense to get foreign workers but it's underemployment and unemployment now that's something addressed in the budget you know these kind of fundamental structural issues which are tied to our mode of uh, economic development is not being addressed right so in that way we say are we doing enough i'll say no because we're not looking at the real problems you know underemployment wage suppression we're not looking at those things absolutely now some have said that this is a populist election budget with plenty of freebies for everyone everybody gets something which but the, the problem is people have criticized that this will then plunge the country further into debt do you agree with this well yes and no you know mm-hmm. i mean in given a situation where we say it's already wage suppression some degree of cash transfers to individuals whether it's b40 or m40 why not i mean why not what i would object to is when you trans we take debts and you give out loans to cronies you know a lot of these things about uh, promoting you know uh, smes and businesses and even the tvet program and you know all those things there it is the people with the connections the ngos with the connection to run you know there's a silly courses and and overcharge and take money that's what our object to you know but i think money going to individual families in the b40 and m40 i think it also I mean, first of all this wage suppression secondly it helps boost aggregate demand right that, you know so even other small businesses I mean, people have more money they spend so your pasam alarms your wet markets you know your small stalls people will get business so it's there is not necessarily a bad thing coming out of covid you you put some money into the economy but how you do it is important give it to your cronies you know that's where i think uh, because then those guys when you get too much money they'll tend to you know to spend on more important stuff and you know it won't really boost the economy right so i'll be against that you see yeah yeah so are there any initiatives in the budget of or the way the certain things are allocated that you consider perhaps unnecessary or impractical impractical okay like for example this uh, this thing of sokso right the government wants to cover all informal workers but i think it's a great idea you know because i think you know we're working with you know, contract workers or people in 
their small you know uh, grai you know small businesses they got no social protection if the, the, the breadwinner gets a stroke or a heart attack or heart failure they really high and dry you know so the government's idea of uh, expanding sokso to cover them is a good idea and the government also is saying they prepare to pay 80% of the sokso payment and the sokso payment per person is not much you know so it comes about maybe about $300 a year per person is it right the government will pay 80% of that but that's where it's impractical is if you're expecting the housewife you're expecting the garai owner you're expecting the paddy farmer to go to sokso and initiate the process by paying the 20% it's not going to happen na right not going to happen like you found out like you know the taxi drivers had the same thing suppose go in and initiate the payment and a very small number of them 10% of them only went and did that you know so similarly you know all the contract workers and the small stalls rubber small holders who the scheme is supposed to cover because they are supposed to initiate it at 20% of so government can actually absorb that 20% and initiate this this is a very good arm of prevention you know so so i think that something is a good idea but the way it's being implemented is impractical the large majority of those who should be covered for the social protection are not going to cover themselves now i want to switch uh, focus and talk about taxes for a bit because the government is reducing taxes for the middle class there'll be a 2% reduction for those earning 50000 to 100000 ringgit a year um a 0.5% increase for those earning 250 to 400000 a year what are your thoughts on this i think uh, we need to tax the rich more but not these guys you know the, the guy uh, with a with a 50000 taxable income that means he'll have about 30 35000 of uh, non taxable you know so add it all together his yearly income is 85000 divided by 12 is about $7000 you know i mean to my mind i don't put him in the same class as the billionaires lah right right you know, give him a tax break i think okay lah these guys also are having you know the number of them are in businesses and all that they've had a hard time over covid you give them a tax break i, I won't hold that even the 100000 dollars you know a taxable income you add 35000 to that is 135000 divided by 12 is about 11000 mm-hmm. you know i mean these are not filthy rich fat pet cats yeah. you know which right. go and make sure you squeeze the money out of them right i think only give them a small tax break and then they, they also generate aggregate demand i don't have a problem with that mm-hmm. i think but I think we have discussed this before you know it is because we are trying to be investor friendly mm-hmm. and we are scared that's why we are competing with Thailand and Singapore and you know Vietnam to bring down our corporate tax rate right you know i mean our corporate tax rate is 24% of profits now it was 80 it was 40% in 1988 from that time it's been coming down and Thailand is about 20% of of, of corporate profits Singapore is 17%, you know. So basically all these Asian countries are cutting their own throats. India in their eagerness to seem business friendly and to get uh, FDI. So we need to address that, you know. I mean we can't be gung ho and raise our corporate taxes back to 40%. That'll be suicidal. Right. You know, we lose we lose investment. Right. We lose jobs and we're in a worse situation. So it's got to, but it's got to be done in a in a smart way. where we talk with the other asian countries say look let's do it in tandem let's all together try and hit 30% of corporate profits in 10 years from now 
So if, if Thailand is at 20%, so Thailand's got to increase 1% corporate tax every year. We, we are at 24% increase 0.6%. Similarly, right. all of us do it. It's kind of a win-win, you know, because one is we get more budget, we can strengthen our social net. Second, the government's, government budget will go into government spending, aggregate demand will go up, right? So mm-hmm. it's a good thing, you know. So our poverty will be will be will be covered to some extent because you know our social protection gets better. We have the SOXO program, we have the old age pension and all that. So I think it's a good thing to do. But I don't see any glimmer of that in this budget, you see. You know, there's no glimmer of that because this has got to be done at a regional level. And maybe you also got to talk to other regions in the world in the UN and say, look, this this neoliberal thing of that, just letting businesses come. If you get the more friendly you are to business, the better you'll be as a country. That neoliberal idea, I think, has proven to be wrong. So we've got to say, look, it's wrong. Let us together. You know, okay, we need business. We're not saying anti-business. We right. need those investments. Okay, but let's not go overboard. So let's do it, you know, collectively. So that's the kind of thing I like to see in taxes, you know. And I won't go for these guys with a taxable income of hundred thousand, right? You know, or fifty thousand. I think they are really small fish, and they are. I mean, they're hardworking Malaysians who are struggling in this time. I won't begrudge them the tax, the tax break, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Dr. Kumar, health is among the three ministries receiving the biggest chunk of the budget um, alongside education and finance. Now, one of the things um, we've always talked about, I mean, you have come on the show and, and talked about a few times, um, is the lack of public hospitals throughout the country. Does budget 2023 do anything to address this? No, it's not enough, you know. They've got up to 36 billion. But even the Minister of Health said we should go for 5% of GDP. GDP now is uh, 1.8 trillion. 5% of that is 90 billion. All right. We are really far off, you see. We need to, and I don't think we can go from 32 billion to 90 billion. There'll be too much money flowing in. So what the People's Health Forum is saying, we, 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 we do it in stages. We go up to four, we ask only for 4%. You go up to 4% of GDP for the government hospitals, government healthcare system over five years. So we so we think about eight to 10 billion increase per year. So this year we should have got a budget of about 40 billion or 42 billion. The next year you go to about 50 billion. Right. So it can go up that way because then the ministry gets uh, 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 money coming in then they decide how best to use it. Right. You know, building hospitals is one of the things they should do. The other thing that we are asking for, you know, for the People's Health Forum is to have a whole category of uh, uh, community nurses, right? multi-purpose nurses who can do dressings, who can give some health education, who can change the Riles tube, you know, or they can change the catheter, urinary catheter, who can do a bit of physio, you know, who go to houses of people with strokes, people with chronic wounds, people with OKU children, you know, they have a system where they go to the families and help. So we have that one idea. But that means money again. You know, we need money for, we're suggesting that our GPs, we have got 8,000 GPs. Can we rope them into the treatment of diabetes and hypertension? Right. Because these patients will do well under personalized care. The GP must know when is the last blood test done, you know, <laughs> how this guy's circulation in his feet, when his last eye test was done. Needs personalized care. Right now, in the in the government hospital, you go in, there's so much turnover. Uh, the doctors don't know, you know, and the, and, the, and, the, and the case notes are so thick. 
So what we are thinking is we use the NHS idea that the government pays the GP by per capitation. You pay per head so much per month, $20 a month for each diabetic patient. Whether it comes, it comes once, it doesn't come at all, it comes five times, that's all the government's going to pay you. Right. So if you, but then the medication is supplied by the government, the tests are done by the government, the doctor is just given this money to manage. Right. So if I'm a GP and I have about 100 diabetics under my care, I can employ one extra nurse to actually give health screening and health testing specifically for all these kind of patients. So it, it makes, you know, so the education part is taken care by the nurse. Right. You know, and I can see, and that'll, that'll work, you see. But again, that means money, you know. So the money is not there. I think what they're given now is 36 billion. I mean, I'm glad they didn't cut it. I mean, at least it's given, you know. Right. So for that, it's good. But it is far short of what I think we need for the healthcare system. Another key issue that people regularly discuss these days, especially uh, more and more, is public transportation or the lack thereof. Also, you know, we're talking about things like escalators and elevators at train stations that are already there, train stations that are in principle good, like, you know, the, the, the MRT stations and, and one of that, broadly speaking, people like it. But then we, we get a lot of complaints about uh, not enough coaches, not enough train coaches, um, escalators are always breaking down, elevators are constantly not fixed, things like that. Does Budget 2023 do anything to attempt to address these issues? I think they do talk of, you know, some funds for repairs and all that, some, you know, uncommitted funds and all that. So there could be some things there. And they also talk about the MRT, is money for the MRT. But I think, you know, we need to have a fundamental rethink, you know. Mm. We can't think public transportation is just MRTs and LRTs, which are very yeah. capital intensive. Right. Like my city of Ipoh, I think can do with a very good bus mass transport. Maybe electrical bus transport, electric buses. Mm. And you have a grid because the roads are already there. You have some, maybe some roads would have a dedicated bus lanes. And you have a, a grid like that. Um, that can be rolled out much faster than LRTs and MRTs. So I think all, right. all our major cities, even Penang, you know, I think the LRTs are very expensive and they actually help the, the, the contractors, the big developers make money out of it, you know. I think they love those kind of projects, but I think it can do as much. Can you imagine if you go on a electric bus, let's say, yeah, try to go for electric or maybe even hydrogen bus, you know, hydrogen bus powered, hydrogen powered bus system then we can have a whole industry of building buses of different sizes. Because we must have smaller buses for less busy routes so the frequency is maintained, right. you know? And you must have uh, things like, you need to have, if you have electrical, you need to have uh, solar panels, you can get more R, you know, renewable energy to, to the buses. So it's a growth industry, you know, it provides jobs. So we can in-house all these things into Malaysia, building the buses, um, getting the, the charging. You know, our oil palm, Waste huh? produces a lot of methane, which is a which is a GHG, you know, greenhouse gas. If we can use that to produce electricity to hydrolyze, you know, water to get hydrogen. So the so in every oil palm uh, mill, they are producing hydrogen in in canisters, and they're used for our buses. So you can think of ways in which this right. will also generate jobs for people. It'll be environmentally friendly. It'll decongest our roads. And uh, one of the things that we are talking about 
in, in, in Malaysia, I mean, PS was talking about, is that we should do what Singapore is doing, you know. We have APs, you know, approved permits for buying cars. Do you know, we are buying 500,000 cars a year, Malaysians are buying. 500,000, can you imagine the amount of money flowing out of the country? Right. Let's say if you have an AP of, say, on the average level, of course, a bigger car must have a higher AP, smaller car, less AP. $30,000 AP. In Singapore, it goes up to 100,000 sing, you know. But here, okay, let's go 30,000 on average. 30,000 into 500,000 cars per year comes to 15 billion. That'll be enough to go roll out a big uh, program to bring in, you know, uh, 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 you know, environmentally friendly buses in all our major cities. But this should be done in-house, start the industry for that. Maybe we can and do it properly. Like, don't give us lousy buses, but it can be done. I think we have the capacity right. to do that. You know, and, and so I think in that way, you 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 save foreign exchange, you get money, uh, you decongest the roads. And I think once the buses are built, you should take another leave from Singapore where they charge a higher road tax if you want to enter city during office hours in your car. But people then use the buses. And right. you don't have to build any more flyovers and the second highway, you know, elevated highways. You can save money on that, you see? Right. You know? So I think this is, but there's no glimmer of that in there either. Their transport plans is just LRT and MRT, you know? mm -hmm. and that's good for the big, big, you know, developers who got very close links with the government. I think you got to go away from that. I mean, in addition to providing better escalators and lifts for those already set up, you know, maybe KL leads because KL Clang, you know, is a place with the intent. The density is very high, mm -hmm. but a lot of the other cities are they get away with bus mass transport, much cheaper, much faster to roll out. And uh, yeah, it can have a lot of other uh, economic uh, activities which are helpful. Absolutely. All right. Before we wrap this conversation up, Dr. Kumar, some final thoughts on Budget 2023. Um, we know that elections are you know, going to happen soon. Um, one way or another, budget either has to be retabled, this exact same thing, or a new one. Um, you know, the, whoever the new government is needs to table a new one. What should the next government do? Should they maintain it or change the budget? I think it depends, you know. I mean, mm -hmm. if, yeah, I mean, like I said, there's a lot of uh, the token tokenism here. I mean, the real issues are not addressed. But then again, I'm not sure if any of the political parties that are in the field now, apart from PSM, will do any different, you know, in terms of, and the basic problem is, do you believe that the private sector is the engine of growth. Right. You know, if you believe that, you know, that they are the engine of growth, then whatever we do to bring in more private investment and all that, you must be Musra business. Mm. Then you're going to do all these kinds of things. And I think it's a basic, uh, fundamental, ideological uh, problem there, you know. The way you look at the economy, the way you look at growth, we're not against, I mean, the PSM is not against businesses. But you can't put them, you know, like God, you know, and say yeah. you know, everything goes to them. And now we're going and going to go and sign the CPTPP, you know, which again, you know, increases the, the the rights and the and the freedom of businesses and reduces the space for governments, you know. And I think that almost all the major political parties will agree with that. You see, so I think the budget is going to be similar. But I'll say one thing, you know. We are lucky that this Tumku Zafrul guy is fairly competent, you know. I mean, he's neoliberal, 
Well, it'd be bad if it's like someone in the trusts, you know, US, UK government. You're neoliberal, but they're also incompetent. You don't understand the market. And you go and, you know, scare everyone, you know, and you have capital flight and you have the pound dropping. And, you know, I mean, that that is, when you have in, you know, you have neoliberal plus incompetence, that's worse. Lah. Right. I mean, here at least like this guy, Zafrul, is he's smart. He's smart. He's competent. Right. Though he's neoliberal. <laughs> I mean, that's the lesser of the evils. Right. And I don't think you're going to have a person who is progressive and, you know, having a kind of a socialist take on it, you know, in the next government, whatever it comes around, you know, it's unlikely the PSM is going to be forming the government, right? So <laughs> it's unlikely you're going to get a budget that's dramatically different from this. And on that note, thank you so much for joining me today. That was Dr. J. Kumar Devraj, Chairperson of Party Socialist Malaysia. If you missed any part of the conversation, you can check out the podcast on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcast from. I'm Darshan Johan, and this has been Live and Learn, BFM. 89.9. This BFM Budget 2023 special was brought to you by Marseille. Reinvent spaces, enhance life. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.